I love the efforts for everyone, but the work should be done paired with organizations that are culturally specific. I'm Damon. I'm Daniel. And welcome to Climate Change Makers presented by Elevate, who for over 20 years have worked to create a just and equitable world in which everyone has clean and affordable heat, power, and water in their homes and communities, no matter who they are or where they live. We're so excited to be back in this second season, talking with some of the most impactful environmental justice visionaries from across this land about what ideas guide their work, what strategies have been effective, and what advice they have for Elevate as the organization works to put people and the planet first in the fight to build equity through climate action. Today's guest is Liana Patron. Liana is the executive director of Latino Built, an organization based in Portland, Oregon, that provides resources and support for Latinos in the construction and contracting industry. So it's interesting to get a glimpse up at the Pacific Northwest, specifically up in Oregon, (laughs) uh, and breaking some of the myths of what we think about the region and how white supremacy, immigration, and labor dynamics shape that space and how that informs the work that Latino Built does to service their community. We start off the interview with the same question we start every episode with. In this time, how is the world treating Liana, and how is she treating the world? Well, I have to say, I'm this ridiculous optimist. So the world is always an amazing place. You know, the human body is amazing. What our world does every day is amazing. Um, So I'm glad to see things opening up a bit more and um, and embracing it um, safely. Nothing ridiculous about optimism. Very, very impressive quality that I think I'm always happy to hear. So as we go uh, across this land on the second season of Climate Changemakers, I think we should start by placing where this conversation is. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the space in which your work takes place and how you understand your relationship to the city or the natural land around where you are? Sure. So I'm straight out of Portland, Oregon, here in our rainy area. I'm not, I wouldn't say state because it really is the Willamette Valley. It is the Portland area that is the most wet. I am the executive director of an organization called Latino Built, and that's composed of two partnering nonprofit organizations, one trade association that serves Latino owned construction companies and those support agencies. And then Latino Built Foundation, which is a charitable organization that um, services all of the Latino community in construction. And we have a big focus on our educational programming as well. You know, you started to to name uh, a little bit about what like the, the shape of the space is. Uh, would love to know when and how you got engaged with the work and how your experience has been plugging into that space. My family owns construction businesses. My father is from Mexico, and so they're minority owned. And um, in our space and in construction, it's certainly everybody is moving to that wanting to help up those that, um, you know, have not been accepted, especially in a state that has known for white supremacy. Um, It's not taught in our schools, but 
everybody who knows the history, who like me, who went to high school out here with big old trucks with Confederate flags hanging from them, have experienced that. So in Portland, there people are actually now trying to help us out. I grew up with construction businesses, although I wanted absolutely nothing to do with construction whatsoever. I went to college and got a degree in apparel design and moved to New York City and designed um, evening gowns, prom dresses, bridesmaids dresses, to then find out that I was ready um, to come back, which I felt was home, which is Portland, after nearly 10 years being away. Through your life, you find out a lot of things. I found out that having a family was a lot harder with um, a business as well. And so I pivoted, I started some other businesses, I sold ones, and I came into a space where um, I found myself um, volunteering and working for nonprofits, sitting on boards, um, and understanding that that was my passion. And then I was introduced to um, the founding board of Latino Built, which included my father. And I sat down and it was very much this vision still in their head of if Latinos make up at least 30% just in Oregon of construction itself, whether they're owners, workers, a lot of workers, but nobody is doing anything that's culturally specific for their needs. Yes, there are organizations that focus on minorities, but as we know now, not every minority grouping has had the same challenges. The founding board had this big idea to have language specific, culturally specific, how we communicate with each other specific organizations for those in construction. I stepped into this space with them um, at a consultant capacity. The need was so there for our community. It took off and I was there able to organize the organization. Um, We didn't need much connection to our community because it was already there. It was an easy transition into leading this organization. I want to go back to something you said, which was growing up in a family where this trade was being plied and, and, and watching everything. And, and I'm curious, as you've stepped into this role of leadership and figuring out how to meet the needs of people in similar roles, are there particular experiences or lessons or things that you remember and having that instinct of this isn't right or this is more challenging than it needs to be as a kid that you try to make sure you're addressing now? Yeah. Um, So a big thing with our Latino community is um, education is not really high, especially for those who immigrated to our country. And it's not uh, because they didn't have education or so forth. It just in the Latino community, it's you work to support your family. Education was so highly regarded in my family because my father did not have that opportunity to have uh, the education that he would have wanted. So for Latino Built and our organization, we're really feeling that disparity. We are educating in a way that um, the Latino owners of companies and also the workers understand. We've identified that learning in your, not just your native language, but the language you feel most comfortable in, and then filling in also with additional English terms is the way that people learn the best. 
we're creating um, educational programming that is specific to them for those ones that maybe put the cart in front of the horse um, type of businesses, those ones that it is adult education, those whose English often is a second language. There's a... um... A trajectory you named a little bit earlier that really piqued my curiosity that, that I want to dig into a little bit. Um, you named the, the visibility of Confederate flags and just like a fun fact for all the listeners. Oregon was not a part of the Confederacy. <laughs> just, to, just to make sure that we're clear, or, or, you know, our historical uh, truths here. Um, and I, I'm interested in that because I've learned in the last probably five to 10 years that there is this history of white supremacy in the Pacific Northwest. And we kind of imagine it as the rest of the country as this like safe haven or this like liberal utopia or like the last place where it's most figured out. Um, And I think a lot of the history actually conflicts with that. And so I'm interested in hearing this trajectory you named of enduring or experiencing or, or, or folks being triggered or harassed in this context of white supremacy and what you are experiencing that that has felt like a shift towards support especially in the structural realm. Oregon itself really was created at this kind of this white Christian hub and nobody of a minority was really allowed in. But the point in history when people were allowed in was during any type of war time where they didn't have male labor to do the really hard working labor that really nobody wanted to do. So then there was like a tax on um, bringing immigrants in to do the work and this and that. But for Mexicans, they took it away so that they could get that Mexican labor up there to do the work, right? And it's not like they were just there for you know six months. They were there for six years. Then that became their home. And then they were done with them. And what did they do? citizen or not, stuck them in a bus and shipped them back down to Mexico. I'm glad that you highlighted some of those labor dynamics and the power differential in that. It seems like that is really at the the crux of both the history on the macro that we're talking about, but also I'd imagine within the dynamics of the work you do, because it's not a question uh, from what I'm hearing of who's allowed to participate and provide their labor and have their labor extracted, but it is about who gets to own the benefits of that labor, right? In the support work that you're doing for people, both on the ownership and and then also on the people whose labor is being provided and extracted, what kind of conversations around those dynamics do you see happening, whether Latino Built is leading them or not? How are you seeing this conversation around what does it mean to be a worker? What does it mean to be an owner? What is it? And and how do we not just replicate those same power dynamics with a different person or a different uh, identity at the top of that hierarchy? Yeah. You know, being a woman, my position is not as common, even within the Latino um, community. And I was taught growing up, you need to listen, you need to stand back and you need to listen. And um, so that was still like in the back of my mind and a lot of things that I thought of. Even male, though, Latinos, they have been, you know, told, put your head down, just work really hard and then you will get what you need. It is one of our goals within our organization to develop this really strong voice and not let these things just go by because, you know, I'm going to go back to education again. I can't can't get away from it. It's where it goes. So we are educating the greater community, number one. We're also educating our um, Latino owned 
construction businesses for the things they need, the tools that they might have skipped by, or maybe they didn't have access to. So we are their safe outlet to be able to be like, listen, we've created something just for our community and we're part of this community and you can feel safe and able to jump into. And then we are also have recently developed a workforce development. It's ultimately support for the worker. So there has been so many horror stories of, you know, very cheap labor they get from the Latino community because they're not citizens and, and they have no benefits. And once they get hurt, they're just often they've got nothing. We're also there educating our workers and being support for them to teach them what their workers' rights are in a culturally specific way. So I want to go a little bit deeper into this notion of like work people don't want to do. I want to connect back to some of the environmental conditions. Uh, one, I think the the larger impact uh, of the industry and more specifically on the people, because I don't think we talk about labor in the context of environment and like, why don't people want to do this work? Uh, usually because it's a, a strenuous, stressful environment that has um, some type of damage or, or takes a toll on the body. Um, and so in that regard or in that legacy, what are the supports that you offer for, for labor doing really strenuous work? Um, and is there any impact that whether it is to the local environment or specifically to the body um, that Latino build is, is, is working to address. Even if it's not happening yet, something that you would like to build, because it doesn't have to all be in place yes. yet. I know everything. We, we are a vision place. safe space. So, so please tell, <laughs> us, tell us the dreams if, if that helps. <laughs> yeah, so we have a lot of visions. Uh, <laughs> but first, I want to talk about this cycle. 85% of the Latino community in um, Oregon is um, from Mexico, descends from Mexico. Much of the immigrants came to Oregon by working in the fields, so through agriculture. And so then their children watch the parents. They're probably out there, too, playing in the fields, being right along with them. And it's the same with construction. And you also end up learning a trade within our community. It is very much that the whole family is involved. And so if your father is a roofer, you're going to probably be up on roofs, doing roofs at a very young age. So you're already going to have that talent. And so for, you know, someone to come in here and be like, okay, well, I'm going to go to college. Now, that would be a cycle breaker. So those who realize that they're like, I know my trade so well, I can start my own business. We want to be there and help them break that cycle of them only being a worker. And then we're supporting those emerging businesses and we're supporting businesses that are within every uh, phase of their business so that we can break these cycles of, you know, maybe they've been in business for 20 years, but they've never actually calculated what their overhead was, or they've never efficiently um, estimated a job. So those types of things are all cycle breaking. And then for the energy efficiency side of it, a lot of businesses are doing energy efficiency, and they don't even know it. So for us, we have a brand new um, program in it for the Portland Clean Energy Fund to develop a green program. And ultimately what it is, it's retrofitting businesses, taking this business and we're adjusting it and we're helping it. And so that we can develop them to do more green business to help 
our planet, our world, our state, our everything. So we are developing this amazing program that it will be able to take those businesses that already have all those amazing skills and just tweak it a bit so that it's energy efficient. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, it, it kind of brings us to this question, that idea of expertise that we've been asking all of our guests throughout the series, which is, you know, whether it's from your work in your organization or the way that you've seen folks within your, you know, your members do things, what lessons or advice or, or important things to keep in mind, guidelines, do you think for an organization like Elevate or, or for someone in, in your position, what should folks be thinking about? What should they be prioritizing? What should they be centering to try to do this work better? I would have to say it would be keeping an open perspective. We have seen how difficult it has been to show them that there's a different way of thinking. There's a different way. There's actually something that's much better, (laughs) you know, um, in the right, more of the right way of doing things. Um, I think that we forget that there's uh, such diversity. There's diversity, not just by the color of your skin or the way that you talk. I love the efforts for everyone, but the work should be done paired with organizations that are culturally specific. There has been a huge rush into, well, I can create a program. Let's say uh, the white male-owned construction companies have decided that up here, they want to create a program that helps the diverse populations. I don't believe that's the way that it should be led. If you want to help out diverse populations, if you've seen that they have had that, you need to pair with an organization that services and that is part of those diverse populations in which they're wanting to serve. I'm not sure that we've addressed it so many times because so many times the government says, oh, yes, we've created this program. It's going to help these. But does it really? Have they really dug down into the trenches of who they're serving? And then they decide that they're going to put Band-Aids on it and they're going to hire folks. And I'll use the Latino community, for example. Often I've seen many public agencies trying to hire support staff that might speak Spanish, um, but more as a service, being able to service our community at the lower level, rather than having leadership and management that's from that community and that understands it in developing the programs, not putting a banding on and helping out with, okay, well, we have somebody down here to support this community. No, no, no. It needs to come from the bottom up. And so it needs to be able to incorporate um, those diverse communities within their leadership, not them leading down and telling you what you need to do or what box you need to fit into rather than changing the program in a whole. Thanks to Leanna Patron for talking with us on Climate Change Makers. You can find out more information about Latino Built at latinobuilt.org. Make sure that you subscribe to Climate Change Makers wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to our other podcast, Ergo, A-I-R-G-O, on those same podcast apps. Make sure you get in tune with what Elevate is doing at elevatenp.org. And you can find us at Ergo Radio everywhere. 
and we'll be back soon with the next episode, Climate Change Makers. Much love to the people. Peace.